Matthew chapter 5. Let's pray together. Even now, Lord, as we begin to open our Bibles, we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes, give us eyes of understanding and a softened heart to receive the truth, that we might honor you as we listen, as we engage in the study of your word. Oh, be glorified here in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever notice that there are just some people that by their actions or their words, they can just get us so riled up, so riled up that uh, we respond in ways that we know we ought not. Anybody here relate to that? Uh, maybe a, a couple of us, huh? <laughs> Friends, for those of us who are followers of Christ, how we respond to what's going around here proves to the world that Jesus is risen. It testifies to the people around us that there is a God and he is at work in the lives of his people. And sure, they cut you off. Say what? Let them go. Oh, no. Got to speed up and let them know you're angry, right? Don't do it, my friends. Don't do it. Jesus addressed this very problem and how we ought to respond to difficult circumstances in our life as they pop up. And of course, in this series that we are doing, it always begins with, uh, you have heard that it was said. And what Jesus is going to do yet again is he is going to correct the teaching of the Pharisees who took the law, twisted it, made it exactly what they wanted it to be that they might have what they always wanted to have. And so in Jesus' teaching, we're going to be reminded that following Jesus means we ought to live like him. We ought to walk in his steps. And from the moment you put your faith in Christ, the Spirit of God is working through all circumstances to shape you and to conform you to his character. That's what people ought to see, my friends. In the heat of the moment. Well, take a look with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start here in verse 33, where again Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. You see, following Christ means a change in our talk. Your vocabulary, vocabulary, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, I'm sure began to change. You left a few words out here and there. And maybe you picked up some new ones, the kind of words that honor God. Following Christ certainly should affect our talk. And here in verses 33 to 37, Jesus is talking about making oaths. You know, and we started making oaths when we were a kid. Anybody remember this one? Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. No, really, I'm telling the truth. You know who needs to make oaths? People who tell lies. No, you can believe me this time. <laughs> Friends, it ought not to be so. 
I had an experience like that when I was a child, you know. Um, I had some good friends, Paul Kenna and Rick Sebring. And we were sitting after a football, playing football and tackling each other and talking about stuff. And from this guy to that guy to me, and, I, and one of us built on the other guy to this guy to the point, yeah, I went to Europe when I was two and I went myself. You know, I mean, you know how stories build. And Paul Kenna looked at me and said, you're lying. Well, he was right. <laughs> but Rick Sebring said, he doesn't lie, he goes to church. And you know what Paul said? That don't matter. But my friends, it ought to. And you all agree with me on that. We should be people of truth. How are they going to believe us about Jesus if they can't believe us about anything else? And so we must be keepers of our word. Again, you've heard it said that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. And so we must be keepers of our word. People ought to know us as people of truth. Why? Because knowing that every promise that you make is a promise to God. Let me say that one more time. Every promise you make is a promise to God. Remember when you got married, you made these oaths before God and men? Those promises you made to your spouse, you made to God. I tell my wife I'm going to be loving and kind and compassionate and look out for her and help her grow. And I can turn and walk away and say, I've had enough. How is it possible? I'll tell you what, my friends, we will stand before the Lord on these things. Because every promise you make is an oath to God. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 23, which is conveniently easier to remember because all you have to remember is 23, 23. Read, you shall be careful to do what has passed from your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. Well, that should cause you to swallow hard before you say, sure, I'll do it. Because unfortunately in our lives, we often say yes when we mean leave me alone. We say yes and we have no intention whatsoever of doing it. Friends, these things ought not to be so. Not named among the children of God. And so following Christ means a change in the way we talk when we say yes what we mean by that is yes. I'm going to meddle a bit here, friends. Verse 14, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all. This is Jesus teaching. No oaths, no promise, no double promise. I've, I swear on my fill in the blank. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. You see, the reason Jesus laid that out is because the rabbis 
had developed this elaborate stratification of oaths. They taught that swearing by God's name was absolutely bonding. If you said, I swear in the name of the Lord my God, absolutely there's no way out. But swearing by heaven and earth, well, that wasn't as binding. I mean, you can say it, but you don't have to do it. You know, as long as you look good saying it, right? Yeah. Swearing toward Jerusalem was binding, but swearing by Jerusalem, look at the little nitpicky things. Swearing all in Jerusalem, but not by Jerusalem. I mean, what, what is that? And so they had set this whole thing up. That I, as long as I wink while I say it, you know I don't really mean it. I, I just look good saying it. Right? Yeah. And so they even tried to deceive one another by appealing to various authorities in their oaths. But Jesus says in verse 36, And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Friends, you take an oath, you are taking that oath before God. I promise thee that I will do it. You say it. You do it, or don't say it at all. This ought to be just the standard operating procedure of followers of Christ, should it not? Should we not be people of our word? Should not people know that, oh no, he goes to church. Of course, if he says it, he'll do it. Instead of Paul Kennel. It don't matter. Christians are a bunch of liars too. It ought not to be so. And so, my friends, we must be keepers of our word, knowing that every promise is an oath to God. And so don't make promises. Simply just do what you say. Look at verse 37. This is what Jesus says about making promises. He says, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. You know where that lie comes from? It comes from Satan. That's where it comes from. You know who you're associated in that moment? Satan. You want to back out? Well, you know, I said, but there's a good TV show on, and I didn't know that. Circumstance, no, circumstances didn't change. It's just your heart is showing. And so when you say yes, mean it, or don't say it at all. James talked about the very same thing. He said in James chapter 5, verse 12, he said, But above all, my brothers, do not swear by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Something that perhaps you all ought to be aware of, I hope so by now, but there will be a day before where we will stand before the Lord Jesus. And he will open the books. Let's talk about that day in June when the neighbor came over and said, Hey, could you help me with this? I mean, you didn't really want to do it, so you didn't. Even though you said you would. What are you doing there? How did you represent? You know what happened in his mind when you didn't show up? 
Yeah, Christianity, huh? Might as well join the bowling league. Bunch of liars there too, huh? It ought not to be so, my friends. It ought not to be so. And so, my friends, following Christ ought to change our talk. When we say yes, we mean it. And when we say no, it's no. But following Christ also means a transformation in the way that we live, our walk, our talk and our walk. Notice here in verse 38. I mean, there we long to retaliate sometimes, don't we? We want to, I want to carry golf balls around in my car and I want to throw them in cars that are bad drivers that cut me off, that slam on. I don't, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, I want to. But I see the problem with it. You guys see the problem with the pastor throwing golf balls at cars in traffic? Yeah, me too. Tell me it hasn't crossed your mind too, huh? Well, it's something you'd like to do. Put a nail behind their tire in the parking lot, huh? Tell me your mind hasn't devised such wicked things. Someone cuts us off. If somebody takes 22 items in the 10 item or lower line, come on! Who am I that I should wait another 40 seconds to leave the store? It's true. Perhaps these things ought not to be so in the heart of a Christian. We long to retaliate. But notice what Jesus says here in verse 38. Note carefully. Buckle up for this stuff, friends. Jesus doesn't stutter here. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You see, the, the, the Pharisees <coughs> saw this law found in Leviticus 24. As you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. You push me, I'm going to knock you down. That's how they saw the word of God. As if God was saying, yeah, go get him, knock him, punch him, knock his teeth out. But that's not what this was about at all. You've heard of it, the law of the claw, right? Lex Talanis. Tit for tat. Quid pro quo. You do me, I'm going to do you. You get what you give. However, this law was actually given to protect the innocent and to make sure retaliation did not occur beyond the offense. What this law meant, this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, meant was they knocked out your tooth because they were careless. You don't get to cut off their leg. <laughs> In other words, the response is meted, just not outrageous. The Pharisees saw this as an opportunity for vengeance. But you and I know better than that. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so the Jews, they twisted the word of God to do exactly what they wanted to do. Make you pay. Jesus pointed out, however, that while the rights of the innocent were protected by the law, the righteous, hear me when I say this, 
The righteous need not necessarily claim their rights. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Eye for an eye. Yeah, he was careless carrying that load and it came down and now I limp and my leg hurts. I'm going to cut off his arm. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <clears throat> and in light of this, Jesus points out that rather than choosing to retaliate, we should give up our rights for the good of someone else. I'm going to say that one more, more time. Give up your rights for the good of someone else. See, in Leviticus 19.18, the Lord writes, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall, say it with me, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So Jesus gives us three illustrations on how to love people who have harmed us. How to love people who have harmed us. I know what you're thinking. He must have mixed up those words. How to harm people who have loved us. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense either, does it? Buckle up, friends. In verse 39 here, Jesus says, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him, your left also. Now, of course, that's a metaphor for, ain't nobody making me do that. Let me read it again. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the right also. Now, under normal conditions, this would come from the back of a hand, a right-handed person. So, you know, the right, give him the left. But such a slap was not meant to harm. This was not a make a fist and, you know, get him right in the nose. This was more of a, an insult than an injury. Makes a whole different, makes the whole thing clear when you understand that. The point that Jesus is making here is that disciples of, of Christ should accept insult and or injury without retaliating or getting even. Let that one soak in. Yeah, that doesn't fit so well, does it? <coughs> yeah, but what if he slammed on his brakes hoping to wreck my new car so he could make a few bucks off of insurance? Yeah, but what if he, he said something mean about me? What if, friends? Disciples should accept insult and or injury without retaliating. And then he gives us some illustrations of what that looks like. He says here in verse 40, If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Tunic was undergarments. Well, he's getting as little as... Is that the attitude that Christ would have you to have? No. He sues you for your tunic. Let him have your cloak as well. And so return evil with good. Hear me say this. Write it down. Return evil with good. Return evil with good. 
That is what the Word of God teaches us here today. And you can do that in a lawsuit. You can do that in your civic duties. Look at verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And what's that all about? Well, this requires some background knowledge of the customs in the New Testament times in order to really appreciate it. You see, the Romans sometimes would uh, commandeer civilians to carry luggage of military personnel. You, 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 grab this stuff. But the law said one mile. Now, a mile's a long time to carry stuff, isn't it? Especially if you sit at a desk all day. <laughs> one mile. Jesus said they ask you to go one, go two. Yeah, but it's those Romans. And we hate those people. Remember, they're the enemies of the Jews, right? They've taken over our land and their soldiers are everywhere and... Jesus says, they ask you to go one, go two. Yeah, yeah, but uh, they're, they're, they're not good to us. Well, return evil with good. Return evil with good. Where's that good come from anyways? Well, friends, if there is no good in you to respond something seriously wrong, the Spirit of God at work in your life ought to build within you the ability to respond in the way that Jesus did. Yeah. Sinners, rebellion from the very creation. They went so far as to nail him to a cross. And they threw evil words and insults at him the whole time. It's not enough that he's hanging on a cross. Let's thrust a spear in his side. Let's put a crown of thorns on his head. And in the very moment they were doing that, he was taking on the penalty for their sin. You see, the moment that you return evil with good, you're never more like Jesus. Take some growth. But you know where it starts? Where you make up your mind. This is the way I should respond. And I'll tell you what, the Word of God says you ought to. So in a lawsuit, they want to take your tunic, give them your cloak as well. Force you to go one, go two. Now notice in verse 42. I'm going to talk about this one this afternoon, I'm sure. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And immediately your mind went to, yeah, but, yeah, but what if they ask twice? Yeah, but what if, what if they, surely the Lord must have meant something different, right? All of the word is accurate except for that part. Yeah, just ignore that, Okay. You know what's so hard about that? It is the hardness of our hearts. That we want to hold on to what the Lord has given to us so graciously. That we think somehow it belongs to us. Not that it should pass through our hands into someone else's. Oh no, this is mine. That's stuff from the evil one, my friends. 
Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 12, in verses 17 to 21. He said this, Repay no one with evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, and beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, laugh at him. You know it doesn't say that. It says feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. If there is a summation to this truth, it is most certainly that. Overcome evil with good. Let's wrap it up. Sermon in a sentence, my friends, in the Bible to go. Sermon in a sentence. Walk in the steps of Jesus and you will be transformed to his character. But first, you've got to decide right here, right now, is this the life I even want to live? Do I want to live in a way that honors God, that points others to God? Do I want to live in a world that makes it hard for an atheist to, believe, uh, to deny the Lord Jesus? You want to be an excuse? Oh, yeah. See, the, Paul Kenna. Nah, don't matter. They're a bunch of phonies at that church anyway. Imagine. You could prove them, prove them wrong. You could cause them to come to you and say, hey, what's so different about you? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. You see, I'm a sinner. And sin is rebellion against God. It is absolute selfishness. I take what I want. I say what I want, regardless of how it affects others. Yeah. But Jesus died for my sin. And he rose from the dead. And all he asked me to do is trust him. Now, surely you got to do more than, no. Just trust him. What's trust? Absolute dependence. No plan B. Jesus died for my sin and he rose from the dead. And under those conditions, he will forgive my sin and give me an eternal home with him. That's it. Oh, that's it. How great our God is. This is how we live for him. We do good to those who do evil to us. And that's how the world sees God at work. That's how they begin to learn the character of God. By watching his people. Live well, my friends. So I would suggest to you that this year... Perhaps you want to start studying the life and ministry of Jesus. 
Work your way through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and take careful note of the unusual decisions that Jesus makes that you wouldn't. Study the life and ministry and the work of Jesus and emulate his character. And once again, if you say yes, and I don't care who you say yes to, the paper boy, the, do they have paper boys anymore? I don't know. <laughs> They're girls, I don't know. But when you say yes, remember you're saying yes to God. You make an oath to God that this, when I say yes, I will do it. And I will do it to honor you. And you don't know what God will do to a person who simply keeps his word. When all around you says, nah, skip out, just tell him you're not feeling well. Run from the lies, my friend, run. And be the kind of faithful person that no one needs you to make a promise. Because when you say yes, you always do it. Shouldn't we be that kind of person? Shouldn't we? The kind of person that when we say yes, we do it. Because we know what's at stake. Because we know to whom we have made the promise. And finally, pray that the Holy Spirit would prepare your heart. That when these circumstances pop up into your life, you're prepared to respond in the way that honors God. Not self. Not how you're feeling, but how you want to honor God for his glory and the good of others. Think of it, my friends. Returning evil with good. Being a truth teller. The kind of character that people know. Oh no, they said yes, they'll do it. You know people like that? And the people in your life ought to know people like that, shouldn't they? Well, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, oh God, help us. There's some heavy stuff here. We need you. We need your work in our life. We need your power. We need, God, the encouragement and, and the reminder to live this way. Father, the danger is that we'll get up from our seat, we'll walk out the door, and we'll forget it all. Surely the evil one would surely snatch this truth away. Help us, God, to write it down, to review it, and most importantly, to practice it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.